Welcome to Land Investing Online. Come unlock your potential freedom through land investing. Here at Land Investing Online, we teach students how to profitably buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. To learn more, visit landinvestingonline.com. We even have a free Discord with tons of successful investors, including Ron and myself. Come learn from the best. Please subscribe and like this video, podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you guys are listening from. It means the world to Ron and I, and it really, really moves this business forward. As always, I'm Dan Rapke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Welcome back, Ron. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Today, we're going to talk about outsourcing your or hiring your first full-time employee. So um, we'll get into that after one of the questions from one of our members. The question is, I'm averaging buying properties for about 40% of the market value. And I'd like to see that number go lower, maybe 35%, maybe high 30s, low 30s. What can I do? Ron, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I'm happy at 40% to be, I mean, it, it matters what price you're buying at. Let's say you're buying at 4,000 and selling for 10,000. Like that gets a little tight with closing costs. Um, anything above that really, Dan, like I'm fine at 40%. Uh, so if you're buying for eight, selling for 20, like I'm, I'm happy with that. Obviously buying for 40, selling for a hundred is great. Um, maybe keep on trying to buy at 40%, but upping that cost of buying. Um, like I said, if you're buying at two, selling at five, it's not, it's not enough margin. Um, if you're trying to buy those cheap ones at a cheaper percent, just offer less and stick to your numbers. You're going to have people who come back and try to negotiate with you. Just stick to your number. Like that's what I have to tell you. Offer less and stick to your number if you want to buy for less. You might lose some deals then, but overall it's going to even itself out. If you're buying higher price deals already, stay at 40%. You are doing great. Like you're you're making good money. Um, make sure you're offering in the right markets, like decent markets that will sell decently quick. But uh you're doing awesome if you're offering 40% on $20,000 plus dollar properties, Dan. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, I mean, you almost, I don't like that. I, it's a, it's a really good question, but I don't like it because I don't think necessarily you want to acquire cheaper. Like Ron's saying, there's just, there's more to it. You're going to lose deals. How, how do you not only maximize profit? There's a, there's a fine point where almost like a tipping point, how are you going to maximize profit with getting the most deals? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the number everyone's looking for. Um, and that's going to be, no one's ever going to figure that out. There's no magic number for it. You got to test things out too, but maybe look in the opposite direction. Maybe start if you're, if you're buying and selling 40% properties, maybe start looking to buy some for 55% and upping your number to a million dollars or just raising it to 500,000 and trying different things. That 40% mm -hmm. is sustainable, I think, but you can also look at 55%, 60% and some really hot markets in some really hot areas and cities. Try different things. That 40% solid. Yeah. Maybe lower it for slower counties. Um, very rural, slower counties, maybe go down to 30, 35%. But like Ron said, if you're offering, you know, $50,000 properties um, for $50,000 for $120,000 properties, that's great margin. I'll keep doing that. Let's get into today's show. Today's topic is hiring your first employee. Um, so we had another video, if I remember, on outsourcing virtual assistants and whatnot. So we're not going to talk as much about virtual assistants. But before we start discussing this, I guess, so the, the main thing would be you're at a point in your career where 
you have money and you're profitable and you're buying and selling properties. So now you're starting to think maybe your time's coming down and you have another job or whatever your situation is, you need to outsource some of that and take some things off your plate or you just want to grow or you're preparing to grow because you see what's possible in this business model. Um, but in terms of virtual assistance, overseas virtual assistance for, you know, three, four or $5 an hour versus an American employee, there are pros and cons to both of those. This is assuming you already outsource things like data that we talked about in the last one. Um, Ron, do you want to go into that virtual assistant real quick so we can give a background if they have not seen that episode? Yeah. If you're hiring a virtual assistant, like I've never actually done the hiring Dan of when you did the hiring. Um, but once you get them, like you need to think of, um, data entry jobs, uh, consistent things on a day-to-day -day basis, make videos for them that are very detail oriented and repeatable. I think those are the best jobs for virtual assistants. You have no business. If you're at this point where you're ready to hire a full-time American employee, you have no business scrubbing data anymore. Stop worrying about the little things. Think more macro. How are you going to really grow your business on the macro level? Um, and to do that, you need to free up some time. So for, uh, virtual assistant task, like it needs to be things that you are wasting time on, on a day-to-day -day basis that is data entry, or you can make a short five or 10 vid uh, minute video teaching them to do. So I think those are the first tasks to really think about. Yeah, no, I agree. And then you really, I mean, so say, say you have a virtual assistant scrubbing your data and stuff, and you're ready to hire your first American employee. Um, Let's talk about American versus overseas, because I do know people who do both and they have transaction coordinators overseas as well. And that's really preference, um, in my opinion, for someone who's going to be talking and communicating with Americans and we're in the market of Americans, we're selling or buying and selling to Americans. I personally like to have my transaction coordinators, not necessarily local to the area, but, you know, foreign to the United States or local to the United States level. Um, that's just my opinion. I do know people who work uh, multiple ways at that. But so you're, you're ready to hire full time, Brian, what, where would you start then? Um, I think what you need to do is look at it, assuming you're by yourself in the business, um, or maybe you have a virtual assistant, but you're looking to hire a full time American employee. Uh, you need to look at your weaknesses. Like, where do you need help the most in your business? Business. What do you not enjoy? And then hire. Like, you can't look at it like I'm going to try to get the cheapest person. I think that's what too many people do. Um, but whether it's data, or, or or pricing, or sales, or transaction coordinator, those are probably the three most common things. Which of those three do you dislike the most? Um, this can be a really quick question for yourself in your head. Like, do I dislike pricing? Do I dislike transaction coordinator duties? Or do I dislike uh, sales the most? Okay, it's this one. Okay, I'm going to hire someone for this part. And it's as simple as that in my mind to making the decision for which position, Dan. Like, I don't want people to overthink it. Uh, if, it if you really dislike it, it's going to wear on you over time and it's going to hurt your business. So you need to find someone to fill that. Yeah, exactly. Well said. And uh, we personally hired a transaction coordinator for our first just because it's a job that's always going to be there, obviously. Um, pricing is a little more. If you're newer in your career and you don't feel as confident on pricing, it's going to be harder to teach someone the price, I think. Um, and that's an important part of the business, obviously. It's definitely scalable or outsourceable and you can hire someone for that. 
But if you're not as comfortable with that, maybe try to get a little more comfortable because you're going to have to train someone on whatever you do. So before hiring someone, make sure you know all sides of the business, what you're outsourcing, you know title better than they do. You're going to be able to train them through title efficiently and all that stuff. So you have to make sure that you know those tasks very, very well to be able to train them efficiently. Um, But if it's your first time outsourcing and you've never had an employee before, you you have to hire your first employee to do multiple roles, right? They might be a transaction coordinator doing title stuff, but they're going to have to do some due diligence and they're going to have to respond to customer support emails or whatever it is. I think that's one of the most important things as small business. You need people who can adapt, who can work with multiple tasks, who can do not only maybe answer some phone calls, but they can do some due diligence and they're calling counties and they're doing title things. Um, they need to be trained in multiple areas of the business because you're smaller. That's, I think, very, very important for your first employee. I, I agree, Dan. Um, that's a good point. Uh, like if you do just have someone, let's say you hire someone for a transaction coordinator, like it's really hard to, and our, even with Daniel and I can combine, it's really hard to only have them doing that one task. Ours was doing, uh, she was doing drone pictures or hiring drone pictures. She was doing a ton of stuff. She would even make sales calls from time to time. Um, but that's a really good point having that. But talk about Dan, because uh, I think core values, we as a business, me and you have been talking about a lot. Um, I think it's important to have some kind of values for what you're looking for in a person, um, whether it's dedication, hard work, um, extreme honesty, whatever it is, Dan. Uh, what, what do you think the importance of if you're a one person business, you're hiring your first empo- uh, employee, like how important do you think that is in having some kind of core value or core value system? I think it's really important, but it's hard at first because you don't really know what you're looking for until you kind of go through it. So it's hard to have core. It's like coming up with core values and it's like coming up with core values before you have a business. You know, they everyone tells you in a business plan to have them, but it's it's hard because you don't know what drives the business necessarily. Um, but if you're at this point and you're looking at hiring, you you might know what drives the business and what what motivates you and what um, like maybe you're someone who just loves to learn and continuous learning is really important. Maybe that's a core value. You're looking for someone to nurture and develop with you and who's really looking to learn. Whatever that is, I think it's really important because or else what are you going to go off of? You know, when you're interviewing someone and you don't have any values, core values, what are you going to go off of? It's there's not real direction because there's pros and cons to everyone. Um, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. Some people might be very action detailed or action oriented, and some people might be very open and honest. And you know, it really depends. Your values give you direction on how to hire. So I just, I think it's very hard to hire without them personally. Yeah, I think kind of looking. I don't. Maybe you won't have core values for the business, but think about the values that you. Uh, appreciate in other people or things that kind of frustrate you when you like, that's how we thought of our core values. Like what frustrates us? Okay, we're going to do the opposite. That's going to be a core value. It frustrates me when people don't get things done. All right, we're our core value is going to be getting things done on a timely manner, being responsive and doing that, for example. Um, But what do you value on a personal level in your day to day life? Maybe it's not business. Um, What do you really value in people? What frustrates you in people? Like, does it frustrate you when someone's really dishonest? Um, Like for us, you beyond belief when someone's dishonest with you. Okay, maybe honesty should be one of your core values that that you're looking for, Um, because if you hire an employee and they're dishonest, like that's going to really rub you the wrong way. And that should be something you hire and fire based on. So I think that's kind of it's difficult, Dan, like you said. 
Um, but I think starting somewhere, we just changed our core values pretty dramatically from what they were six months ago. And it's something you can always change. Like when you're hiring that second employee, you, you're probably going to be looking for something a little different. Uh, but you got to start somewhere, Dan. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, you know, for this business, you really not only think about what you believe personally, but also on the business wise, what moves the economics. I want to just reiterate that. What drives this business forward? What do you believe to be the most important aspects of this business? And then also what pisses you off as a person, like Ron said, I think those are kind of the two ways to think about it and then come up with those. Maybe you come up with four values that you really, really believe in and don't come up with those overnight, write them down, think of them for a few days, take your time, think of them, make sure they fit with your personality. And then you have those in order, say one to four or whatever, you have those core values. Then when you're interviewing for your first employee, you can ask them questions catered to this, say it's continuous learning. You can ask them what they've done in the last 60 days for um, their professional or personal development, things like that. And then you start catering all these questions to what you're looking for. And then you have 20, say you have 50 applicants, you narrow it down based on their resumes to 10, seven of them responded and they set up interviews with you. And now you have seven people and you're asking all these questions. Well, you know, Emily and Bob, they haven't done anything for their personal and professional development the last 60 days. So if that's one of your core values and they're not doing it, maybe you have four core values and two out of four of them, they didn't fit. You know not to hire that person. Maybe three out of four of them, they fit really strongly with one kind of, you know, you, you can start ranking people on these systems. And I love it because it's all about attributes, not um, skills, right? It's not about what's on your resume. It's about your attributes. You can teach the rest. And I'm reading a book right now on it. And it's a uh, Navy SEAL commander who wrote the book. And he talks about how in uh, Navy SEAL camp, like they're, they bring in the most experienced people in the world with the best war resumes. And the people who succeed through BUDS through Navy SEAL training camp are the resilient people. He's, he talks about resiliency and how that's the number one driving force for the people that pass Navy SEALs. And it's just, when you start looking at things on attributes versus resume, it makes your life a lot easier because attributes are easier to find when you start narrowing these questions down. Resumes are just a bunch of words. Attributes, you can actually dig down and really figure it out. That's a good point, Dan. And uh, we, we actually had some interviews today, so it's really easy for us to kind of reflect on that process. Um, and it's literally like when we got off the interview, we talked with our other manager who was in the interview as well. And she, uh, she kind of started to talk about, um, where the experience, the experience, I said, I, I really don't care about that. How do you think they fit these core values? Um, cause like I said, and I'm really passionate about that as far as like, we are hiring our, our core values are the opposite of what kind of pisses me off in a person and whatever. Um, so that's what I wanted. I don't care about their, once they get to the interview, like it's going to be, how do they fit with those core values? And you really need to pick some things that you believe in. Um, but relaying it to the interview is something that we haven't done completely in the past. Um, and I think this time around, we did a really good job just thinking like, here are our core values. And we just have two, they have some bullet points underneath of them, but they're very direct. They're very, um, clear cut there's no fluff to them uh and we just look down like check mark they check this they check this they don't check this okay this person appears to be better on this are we sure yes and we we made a decision within 30 minutes yeah and you still want to make sure they're competent and everything else but those core values once you narrow it down all of them are competent all of them possess similar traits in their talk i mean you can talk to them easily and all that basic stuff 
um, they made it to this point of their second interview. So we'd hope all of them would be like that. And they were. So it literally came down to a core value. And then when you're telling the other applicants, hey, it's not going to work out or whatever, however you tell them they're not getting the job, um, it makes it a lot easier because it really is nothing about them. Attributes are something, I mean, you can, he talks about in the book, attributes are like a light dimmer, like you can crank them up or down, but it's very hard to do. But it's not like you're telling someone their IQ is not high enough or they failed this test or whatever. It's literally your per, your traits, like your attributes. Um, so it made me look at it so much differently than just declining someone. Hey, you're declined. It's, 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 you don't fit. You're not going to be happy here, um, because you don't fit. So we can string this out over eight months and you're going to eventually quit or be fired. Or we can tell you right now, because we know it's not a fit based on our two core values. And it makes things so much easier once you have those. And I strongly recommend them. Um, really, we just started getting really into this, but it's made the world of a difference already. Mm hmm. Yeah, it just it brings out like a different like light and passion for me for the business. Like when I'm like, what these are what we stand for. This is what drives our business. This is how we try to treat, or this is how we treat customers, title companies, everyone. Um, it's given me like a lot of passion towards what we're doing, and kind of I, I know we've talked about mission a little bit, but uh, I'm happy this uh, conversation kind of led this core value way because I think it's something that is talked about, but maybe not in this aspect quite a bit, uh, quite as much as it should be, because it, it is so important and it's going to eliminate you from making a lot of mistakes um, and hopefully save you from making some mistakes in the hiring process. Yeah. And it, if, if you're at a point in your career where you're making money and you're scared to hire and you have a boatload of money from land flipping and you're scared of hiring, but you want to grow, it's one thing if you don't want to grow and you're fine with that, but if you do want to grow and you're scaling and you're scared to hire, you got to find a way to push through it and hire. It will make the world of a difference in scaling your business. You cannot scale a business by yourself. You got to think of it like that. Like you can't be in the weeds. It, it needs to, I keep looking at it like it, it needs to not be about me, not be about the founders. It needs to be about the company. You need to get out of the business, right? The business cannot be about you individually. That's not how you scale a business. You have to remove yourself from the business, but you got to do that. One of my mentors, Joe Sheehy, talked about it in our last call. You got to kill the rabbits, not the elephant. No one goes out and kills an elephant, right? But you can hire one employee and then scale and then up your mail and then hire another employee and scale and up your mail and keep repeating and you're killing a bunch of rabbits and over time that's an elephant. You can't attack it all at once. You're not going to become a hundred million business dollar business overnight. But start attacking the small thing. Hire your virtual assistant first, then hire your transaction coordinator or data person, and then just keep attacking and keep getting after it. And that's more for someone who's looking to grow. There are people who are fine making their million dollars, $500,000 a year, and they're doing all the work and they don't want to manage people, whatever. That's, that's okay. That's completely fine. That's awesome. Congrats on your success. But that's more for, this is more talking about people who want to scale a sustainable long-term business that's going to have a positive impact and effect on the world and your employees. Yep. I don't have anything else to add, Dan. I think that was really good. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining. To get started and to unlock your potential freedom, visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free Discord where Ron and I are involved. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, we have a live one-hour call going over deals and questions. If you guys have any deals, any questions, anything at all, hop on that 6 p.m. call, go to our Discord, or subscribe for our emails. You'll get updates on it. But we, we would love to see you guys in there. Ask all the questions you want. Other than that, subscribe and like our YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple Podcast. 
That means a ton to Ron and I, and it really drives this business forward, guys. We appreciate that. Other than that, we'll see you next episode, and thank you all for joining. Thanks, guys.